Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton, James Batchelor, and Mike Duffy. Hello and welcome to the Voices of Vic podcast with me, Ben Ayton, James Batchelor, and this week we have a special guest. He <laughs> uh, goes by the name of Mr. Mike Duffy. He is back um, for one night only. Um, no, only joking. He is he's back. He attended the game yesterday, um, so he was able to watch the game. So he's, he's on to give his thoughts about Watford's defeat yesterday. Uh, Watford um, had a home defeat to Arsenal, losing by three goals to two um but we're going to pick the bones into that in in a bit i'll come to james first james how are you doing mate not too bad not too bad we just had some uh some you know like engineers or, or whatever you want to call them come over to our house today we're having our kitchen uh refitted so we had our floor ripped out today they were here for about six hours making a racket um so i have to stay in and watch that and obviously i went to the game on sunday as well met uh, Mr. Mike Duffy himself for the first time, which is very, very nice. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. The sun was out today, the sun was shining. So it's, yeah, I'm all good. It was a bit deceiving over weather today. I know it, it was nice and warm and that, but it was a bit bitter out, weren't it? It was a bit chilly. Still need it was, to use it was cold on Sunday as well. I'll tell you what, the wind was properly whipping around Vicarage Road on Sunday as well. Yeah, definitely needed your coats um, to, to sit in the ground for that one. And Mike, like I said, we've got Mike on the podcast. Mike has been a, a fair few weeks since you've been on. How have you been doing, mate? You all good? Yeah, um, delighted to be back on. You, I, I've been, you know, watching uh, watching you guys, listening to you guys still. And um, you, you boys have been absolutely smashing it. So um, it's good to be back on and... Shame it's not to talk about a, a victory, but nonetheless, it'll be good to get our teeth stuck into the bones of Watford FC, eh? Yeah, well, we've got a lot to discuss, haven't we? Um, yeah, I think one subject um, which we briefed, I briefed you two boys about at the start saying, I think we're going to probably speak the majority of this podcast on this one bit, but we'll, we'll um, keep the viewers and listeners guessing on what that's actually going to be but I can imagine you, you can all um, think what that is right now um, but yeah as we've all said Watford um, lost 3-2 at home to Arsenal yesterday um, so we'll start with the team news as always so in goal was Ben Foster there was a back four of Kiko Femenia, Crave Cathcart, Samir and Kamara a midfield three of Tom Clare Musa Sissoko and Imran Luza, and the front three was Jao Pedro, Emmanuel Dennis, and Chucho Fernandez. Um, so no Ismail Asari in that um, James, um, no Joshua King either, and Jeremy Ngaku came out as well. Um, were you pleased with the starting lineup? I, I know not having Sari in the team, you look at that straight away and go, oh, could have done with him in the side. 
Well, it's probably the best lineup we could have put out, bar maybe Tom Cleverly out uh, instead of instead of uh, Edo Kayembe. Um, but yeah, you know, I was largely happy with that. I thought the front three looked, you know, quite threatening to me. Jao Pedro, Dennis, uh, you know, Cucho Hernandez. I, I thought that looked really, really threatening, and I thought we could, you know, trouble Arsenal's defence, which we obviously did within within about thirty seconds of the game. Um, but yeah, you know, that that's been pretty much the team, you know, bar bar chopping and changing a couple of players for for the past few weeks. So. It's what I expected from Roy. Obviously, his favourites are in there. Tom Cleverley, Craig Cathcart, Ben Foster, obviously, as well. Uh, but, yeah, it's what I expected. And I didn't really have any major issue. Obviously, my only issue was Tom Cleverley, which we will touch on later uh, in, in the podcast. But but apart from that, yeah, you know, I, I was I was pretty content with that. As you say, it's my Lassar was missing. Always going to be a big miss. Um, but, yeah, you know, the, the team was exactly as I, as I expected it to be, really. And Mike, um, obviously, we changed two of the personnel in that front three. Normally, it's um, Ismail Asai, Emmanuel Dennis and Joshua King. Um, so it was just um, Joe Pedro came in, Chucho Hernandez and partners Emmanuel Dennis up front. They brought a lot of flexibility to that front three, didn't they, um, Mike? Was you worried before the game thinking, oh, we could have maybe struggled with maybe missing Joshua King's hold-up play? But it didn't look like we really missed Joshua King yesterday, did it? No, not really. Um, I think the only thing that I would say, and I was having a chat about this to uh, to our mate Harry, um, the only thing I'd say is watching or thinking back of the game, there was a number of times where the ball would go up long and Emmanuel Dennis, it just wasn't sticking for him. It wasn't his game whatsoever. Josh King, as frustrating as he's playing at the moment, you know he will hold that ball up and try and bring others into play. So, you know, fast forward to to when we were really knocking, well, trying to knock on the door literally the last five minutes after Sissoko's goal. It, it didn't help that Fozzie would literally boot it and it would go straight through to Ramsdale. But the very few times it did go through to some of our players, it was just coming back at us. Whereas I think maybe Josh King would have made it stick a bit more. We could have looked to have got Chucho in and uh, Jao Pedro in as well. But... Um, yeah, I mean, before the game, I, I was a little bit worried that we wouldn't trouble him as much. Um, Chucho Hernandez is very much a, an impact player off the bench. Um, I thought he was Watford's man of the match yesterday, um, in my eyes. Um, so he did really well. And João Pedro getting a start, we, we always love to see that. So, um, you know, not as potent as we know it can be. No Ishmael Osar is, is always a big miss for us. So, um, yeah, you know, not as confident, but when the game started, it was clear to see that other than Dennis, I think we were creating chances. We just couldn't put them away. Yeah, Emmanuel Dennis, James, um, I want to talk about his performance a little bit. Obviously, it was, it was a cracking start from Watford. Unfortunately, his goal was ruled off from um, offside, but it, it was only just offside. But Watford actually started the game really quickly and I've not seen that from Watford for a very long time. It was a fantastic ball from Joe Pedro. It's, he managed to find that gap in between those the midfield and the Arsenal defence and then um, Manuel Dennis away in, in the box and he finished quite nicely. But apart from that, I was a bit disappointed with Emmanuel Dennis yesterday, if I'm totally honest. I was expecting more from him and especially like Mike says, um, he was filling in that role that Joshua King does so well where he holds up the ball. And I, did, I didn't think the ball was sticking with Emmanuel Dennis and I thought his decision-making was pretty poor yesterday and his attempts on goal did kind of let him down a little bit. Do you agree? I, I do agree. And I, I do wonder whether, you know, that goal, that early goal that, that he scored after about, you know, 15 seconds, I wonder if that actually, you know, got into his head a little bit potentially and, and put him off. Because actually I thought his performance was was quite a selfish performance in a sense where, you know, he could have laid people off, you know, numerous times. Um, you know, there, there was, a I think it was second half where the ball bounced to him in, in the Arsenal box. He had a touch. All he had to do was then, was then shoot. He then took about five, six more touches then the opportunity went and there was numerous occasions where that happened where he just tried that a little bit too much um, and ultimately the attack then broke down and then, uh, then Arsenal with the quality they've got with Saka, Odegaard, uh, Martinelli, they hit us on the counter-attack and, and then they, they made an opportunity. Whereas as Mike said, Joshua King, um, in some of their in, some of them instances, he would have got the ball down on his chest, held it up and laid it off to someone. Whereas Emmanuel Dennis yesterday um, was always just looking to really create something for himself rather than actually... Um, help the overall team performance. So um, I, I do think the the goal getting disallowed 
that early on did hinder him. Um, but I do expect, obviously, better from him, considering he is our, our leading scorer this season as well. Yeah, he's our tallies man and he couldn't add to his tally yesterday, unfortunately. But it didn't take Arsenal long, really. Mike did it. It was maybe about three, four minutes after that disallowed goal. And I thought, oh, God, floodgates are going open here. But it, it was really sleek football from Arsenal. They moved the ball quickly. They actually drawed Samir out of position, didn't he? I was, I was watching the highlights back and it, he was sticking tight to Odegaard and actually followed him out to the touchline. And the moment he just spun his man, it, it was no, there was no way he was going to get back into the line of the defence to try and defend that. And he kind of left Crave Kafka all on his own to try and, I don't know, try and block it or get something on the ball to stop that going in. But Arsenal, they it was quick movement yesterday, Mike, wasn't it? And we got punished so early on. Yeah, you know, it's typical of Watford. We, we make a brilliant start through Dennis and he gets ruled out for offside. It obviously was offside, so no complaints there. Uh, and then, you just knew that it was going to be Arsenal to strike first. And I think you've highlighted it there, Ben. It just shows the sheer talent they've got. Erdegaard all day yesterday, uh, James and anyone else that's watching that went to the game or watched the game, being there, you, you, you sort of watch the game differently, I find. The pockets of space he had every time. He's playing in that free role. And every time the ball was on the left-hand side, um, the, the other side to where Odegaard was, because he's in that free roll, he was just able to drift. So it was almost as if Kamara was left with Saka and Odegaard both from that side because of the, the free roll that Odegaard had. And the, the, the passing and moving, it's it's what you expect from a, a Mikel Arteta side. And I think Arsenal have picked up 25 points out of a possible 30. They're on a real good run at the moment. And Arteta's gotten playing some lovely stuff. And, the, the way they're carrying on at the moment, it's surely got to be them to finish in the top four, especially after United yesterday. But um, but yeah, you know, they, they really cut us open. And I think that was the difference yesterday. Their quality just shone, uh, shone through. Uh, and uh, it, all three of their goals were, were, were really, really high quality, I thought. Yeah, no, definitely. All three goals were absolutely fantastic and superb. And it was, it was like watching the Arsenal v old the way they was creating opportunities and finishing them and executing them perfectly, I, I think they just took their chances really well. They were so clinical, and it was it was just fantastic. Like for a neutral, fantastic to watch four really good goals. And James, I say four goals because Watford did score a fantastic goal yesterday. It's just absolutely stunning. Um, it was Kuko Hernandez with a bicycle kick. Uh, Kiko grabbing his fifth assist of a season. He did the overlap for Emmanuel Dennis. What a ball in the box, by the way. And we've seen this for Kiko this, this season. Going forward, it is really good. And he, he does deliver for Watford, but defensively, that's where he's fall into a box. And talk to me about that finish for Hernandez, mate. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah, well, it was absolutely incredible. And, you know, watching it live as well, it was just, oh, it was absolutely, you know, it was beautiful to watch. His reaction after as well was 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 great to see. And, you know, it was, it was a goal of, of real quality for a little man to get himself off the ground like he did, uh, you know, almost upside down in the air. Bam, bottom corner. Ramsdale couldn't get to it. You know, absolutely superb. That's why I go to, to watch Premier League football for, for stuff like that. It was it was absolutely incredible. Um and yeah, you know, I think I think at that point, actually, you know, the first half, especially, I, I thought we were largely, um, largely really good, to be honest. Um, and at that point in the game, I, I thought we deserved we deserved the draw. You know, we, we scored with Dennis early on, that got ruled out. Yes, Arsenal got back into the game with with some good football, but we kept going. We we got the equaliser, as you say, great cross by Kiko. Um, great great work down that side in in general. Actually, Force Zoko did really well holding the ball up initially. Laid it off to Kiko in the box. Cucho Hernandez found himself uh, free, and uh, obviously he produced that that spectacular moment. And actually, I've got to say, Cucho Hernandez has only scored three goals this season, and two of them are absolute worldies. His first goal against Aston Villa um, was incredible, um, and now we scored a bicycle kick as well. So for me, Cucho Hernandez only scores super goals. Yeah, that's his uh, third of the season. All three goals that came at Vicarage Road as well. He obviously got that goal, 
rebounded off the post against Manchester City that he um, touched over the line. So he does love playing at Vicarage Road. And Mike, um, you were saying earlier that we normally turn to Cusho Fernandez as a bit of an impact sub, but is there a case that he he deserves to start off that performance? Because he, he, he picked up a really good assist as well. That ball over the top of the Arsenal defence for Sissoko was pinpoint accuracy as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as I said, he's usually someone you associate with bringing off the bench, bit of a live wire, uh, looks to cause trouble. But I thought he, he warranted his place in the team yesterday. And obviously his goal, which was unreal, will help his case. But I think his overall game, um, you know, really showed that, you know, why we bought him and, and the, the Chucho Hernandez, we were really looking forward to see after so long. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. You know, if he's going to play like that, I've got no qualms with him playing. Um, you know, obviously it'll be tough once Ishmael Asar's back, but it's sounding like they're not putting a timeline on how long Sar's going to be out. So possibly for the rest of the season, we don't know. But until Sar's fit again, I'd be more than happy to see Chucho in that Sar 11 each week. Yeah, definitely. If he's performing like that he did at the weekend, and like you say, Mikey, he was your man of a match. Um, I think Roy Hodgson said in a press conference before the game that Saar was actually out with the, for the foreseeable future. So like you say, he hasn't put a timeline on it. He could be back in a couple of weeks, could be out for a month. He might be out for the rest of the season. We don't know the extent of the injury yet. So hopefully it's nothing too serious because and Ismail Saar uh, in the side is definitely, it's going to help Watford's cause. And we do only tend to win games with Saar starting don't we and um we rely heavily on him there's a lot of weight on that young boy's shoulders but hopefully he's back soon um but yeah that was one one um we we then went on to concede and it was it was a very avoidable goal um tom cleverly being caught in possession he was dwelling on the ball i don't think he knew that saka was behind him or saka was going to close him down that quickly i've seen people shout saying it was a foul for me, it wasn't a foul. Tom Cleverley needs to be better for his awareness and he needs to be stronger on the ball there. He needs to play the ball out quicker out his feet as well. So there's a few things there where I thought Tom Cleverley should have done better. But again, James, Arsenal capitalise and they punish us for our mistakes. And we've done this so many times this season. You can't make mistakes in the Premier League. And when you do, you get punished. And that finish from Saka as well, he kind of gave Ben Foster the eyes, didn't he? He said he looked for in one corner and sent the ball the other way and it was a fantastic finish from Saka but talk to me about Tom Cleverley there James um, I know we've, we've both said things about Tom Cleverley in the last previous podcast I'm not going to really talk about him too much in this one because I've said enough about him but James I, I know you probably want to speak about him <sighs> yeah just talk to me about that goal and it, his fault in it it is his fault, um, but I'm not really going to lay into Tom Cleverley because ultimately it's not his fault that, that he's being selected. I think he's a great servant to the club. He's, he's served us well over, over numerous spells um, you know, at, at Watford in, in, in both divisions and in the Championship and the Premier League. But I think it's evident to everyone that you know he, he isn't Premier League level anymore. Um, I think that was, it's been evident to see all season. Uh, it, again, it was evident on show against Arsenal. Um, as well, you know, you don't you don't have that much time in the Premier League to, to you know to take four or five touches and then clear it. You know, he, you have to clear the ball straight away in that instance. He didn't. Um, Saka, you know, for me, as you say, he won the ball fair and square. Um, and you know, two seconds later, the ball's in the back of the net. Great goal by Saka once again. He had a fantastic game. Um, but you know, we, we made it easy for Arsenal. And and to be honest, I, I do berate Roy Hodgson quite a lot. Um, and he is the one picking the team and selecting the players. Um, but, you know, he can't he can't really account for individual mistakes like that. The only way Roy can avoid stuff like that is by not selecting Tom Cleverley, um, which I hope he'll reconsider after after that game. Um, but, you know, pretty much all three of Arsenal's goals, um, I'd say, come from come from Watford mistakes in, in some sense. So we only really have ourselves to blame. It's just frustrating, and you know he, he did you know bring on Kayembe in, in the end, who who I wanted to be on from from the very beginning, but he took off someone who I didn't want to be taken off, and that was Imran Luzer, and we'll get onto that when 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 we discuss the second half. But it was just frustrating because we got back into the game. I thought largely, you know, we were playing very well. You know, we were threatening them, um, and you know, I expected Arsenal to to have 
attacks as 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 as, as they should because they're, they're a fantastic team. But but yeah, Tom cleverly you know didn't help himself in that instance. And you know after Arthur made that mistake as well, I, I, you could clearly see by you know his his physical reaction on the pitch that he wasn't happy with himself. Um, and I just hope Roy Hodgson will look at that. You know, be honest with himself when when selecting the teams and go actually. Um, you know, maybe play Kai and Bay instead, or, or maybe play someone else because Tom Cleverley for me is is not up to up to Premier League standards uh, anymore. Yeah, we we've just shot ourselves in the foot, haven't we? Like you say, Watford are actually playing all right at that point, and Arsenal weren't really troubling us too much. I think um, Thomas Party had a shot which went wide, but Watford up the other end, they they were looking dangerous as well. I think. Um, on a quick counter-attack, Emmanuel Dennis cut in on his uh, left foot, had a shot, and it was kind of fumbled by um, Ramsdale, and Jal Pedro was quick to react, but wasn't quick enough to actually get on the end of it. But then it was the mistake by Tom Cleverley, and Mike, I know you've not been on the podcast for the last couple of weeks, so I, I do want to get your opinion on him. And uh, Yeah, how do you feel about Tom Cleverley at the moment? Obviously, we all know he's a fantastic, he's been a fantastic servant for the football club. But is it time for him to not not play Premier League football for Watford? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's obviously one of Roy's favourites. You know, he got all 13 caps under Roy Hodgson for England. Um, and, you know, Roy will want to stick with, with what he knows and who he knows. And, you know, Ben Foster also had a brilliant relationship. And you noticed how he come back in and, you know, under Roy Hodgson as well. Uh, granted, he played the last few under Ranieri as well, but still... Um, so, you know, Roy gives me the, the feeling that if he knows them, he'll stick with them. And, you know, he said that we might have our favourites, but possibly Roy could have his as well. Um, cleverly, we know what he's like. We know he'll run and run and run and run. But, you know, he, he's looking off the pace at the moment. Too lightweight, as uh, James rightly said, should not be getting pushed off the ball that easily. Uh, and, and mistakes like that will cost you in the Premier League. Um, we have got better options than him. So, yes, I do think we should pick the better options. Uh, yes, I do think that Cleverly should have been um, substituted yesterday, which he eventually was. But I can see why Loser was bought off at the same time, if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, I don't think Loser had his best game. That's not to say that Cleverly shouldn't have been brought off first. I, I think Loser didn't have the best game that we know he's capable of. I believe he was on a yellow card as well. And there was rumours as well that he was pick, he'd picked up a little bit of a knock. Um, so I, I don't know about the, the knock bit. I certainly didn't see any signs of discomfort from him, but he was on a yellow card. So, you know, perhaps that's what the thinking was uh, around that time. But obviously, Cleverly thought he was coming off because he turned around. So I don't know if the cameras picked it up for, uh, on Sky Sports. But yeah, um, I, I do sadly think that maybe the Premier League is a cut above the, the level he's able to uh, cope at now. Uh, I think should we go down, yes, we won't want, you know, certain fans won't want him to stick around in, in that sense because we, we, we want to be looking in a new direction. But he would be a good squad player to have should we go down. Um, so, yeah, uh, but he's he's not, unfortunately, quite out for Premier League level. He's, 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 his levels, performance levels are too inconsistent. He'll have a, a good game, followed by maybe two or three bad games, and then a good game and then two or three. So, yeah, un unfortunate because, you know, we've we've spoken about quite a lot on this podcast in the early days, but how much we love Cleverly and his passion and everything else. But, unfortunately, he's, uh, he's, 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 uh, his age is catching up on him in the Premier League, I think. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, we, we'll talk about the substitution in, in one one moment. We'll just um, speak about the Arsenal third goal. Obviously, we went in at half-time 2-1, came out second half, and it was another mistake, really. We're actually... I, I see there's two two ways where we could have um, prevented this goal. Um, loser playing that loose ball across the side. He, he was trying to pick out Kamara, and he completely got his foot footing completely wrong and lofted it up upright in the air and he went out for a throw in and that's that that was mistake number one and the second one it was the ball went out of play and it was fair play by Mikel um, Arteta he picked the ball up quickly and gave it to um can't remember who was taking the throw in but passed it to them and Kamara didn't get back into position he was kind of just standing in front of the, the throw up the throw um the throw taker and he was just trying to like unsettle him but 
Arsenal was just quick thinking and they, they got the ball going and it was just the moment the ball left the guy's hands, it was just one touch football. It was within five passes. The ball was in the back of the net. It was, Lacazette just um, laid it off to Martinelli and it was an, another fantastic finish and Watford were 3-1 down and James, did you think 3-1 Watford were dead and buried at that point? I did. And, and actually, I think, you know, that, that loser mis, misplaced pass might also be another contributing reason why why Roy Hodgson t- took him off. Because understandably, if I, if I was a Watford manager, you know, I, I would have been frustrated with that. You know, 2-1, you know, you can get back into the game at that point. But 3-1, that's, that's a slightly different matter. You've got more of a task to, to get back into the game. So Roy was probably frustrated at, at that mistake as well. Um, but the actual goal they scored, as, as Ben said, you know, five, five, six passes, it, it was in the back of the Watford net. Lacazette, great hold-up play. Martinelli, again, you know, like Saka's goal, right into the top corner. You know, Ben Foster, you know, Ben Foster couldn't really do anything about any of the goals, uh, to be honest. So if I see any Ben Foster hate or slander on, on Twitter, uh, I'm not having any of that because because I thought, you know, all, all the goals were top-quality finishes. Um, and it was just frustrating because the second half, in comparison to the first half of Watford, um, it was so, so different. Um, I can't really put my finger on on what changed. You know, obviously, Mikel Arteta and, and Roy Hodgson would have gone in at half-time and spoke to the players. Um, whatever they said, uh, from a Watford perspective, you know, didn't work. So I just thought we were a yard off the pace in that second half. Arsenal really dominated the ball. In the first half, Watford did have quite a lot of possession. Um, but the second half, especially, I thought Arsenal really got into their groove. Should have had a couple more goals potentially. I think Inketia hit the post as well when he came on. Um, so it's just frustrating because I, I thought we warranted more than the scoreline suggested. Um, and again, as, as we said, it's just individual mistakes that that led to the goal. Lose a misplaced pass. Mikel Arteta had had his initiative to to quickly throw the ball to. To the Arsenal player, five seconds later, it's, it's an Arsenal goal. So very frustrating. And and yeah, you know, just I, I, it just felt undeserved to me because, you know, I, I thought we were doing quite well up to that point, really. Yeah, definitely. I felt like Watford, their intensity was much better yesterday. I felt we, we upped it, our performance level. It was much improved than the Palace game, um, which was atrocious. And it didn't even look like we was bothering against Palace. But I don't know if it's, Mike, do you reckon it's a, a case of it's a bigger team, it's on TV, what the players want to turn up for this one? We've seen it before for games this season against Chelsea at home. It was live on, I think it was on Amazon Prime, that, that game. Um, we've seen it against Manchester City. I think that was on Sky Sports that day. Both those two games, what for kind of up their performance levels? And we saw it again yesterday against Arsenal, didn't we? Yeah, and funnily enough... Um... I was, I don't mean to name drop here, but I was talking to uh, Tommy Smith exactly about this. Um, I was in, uh, for those that have seen on my personal account, I was in lucky enough to be in hospitality yesterday and uh, Tommy Smith was there and I was chatting to him and he said exactly the same. I asked if he thought we could stay up and we were chatting. I says, I think the Palace game was a massive blow for us. And he said, you know, we we tend, we seem to get ourselves up and, and raring for the big games, which you're absolutely spot on. That Chelsea game, I've not seen us press like that all season. The the how we didn't take our chances and go further ahead in that, that that was one of the best pressing games and the best intensity that I've seen from us this season. Um, Man City, we kept the score respectable and and sort of had a few chances as well. Manchester United as well, although they're not having the best of seasons, still a massive club, still got to beat them. Uh, and, and and we we brush them aside four one. So, um, you know, yeah. For, I don't know whether it is because it's a big team, and we think right, you, you sort of got nothing to lose with the big teams. You, you're not expected to get a result. Uh, it, it's the games that are coming up where the pressure is really going to be growing. And if we can show some of the fight that we showed in the first half against the teams that we got coming up, then it's going to make for an interesting end of the season. It's it's going to be a horrible one because it's going to be, oh, we're staying up. Although a lot of our fans seem to be resigned to the fact that we're going down. Um, <laughs> as much as people may say that, oh, that's it, you know, we're going down. I think secretly a lot of them are like, right, well, let's wait till it's mathematically the case. Uh, and and we'll, we'll give it a little bit of hope. You know, the, the Spurs and Everton are playing tonight. I wouldn't usually give, uh, you know, wouldn't usually care for this game. But, you know, I'll have one eye on the score, hoping that Spurs beat them and, and Everton 
you know, still stay three points behind us. So, um, yeah, you know, if we, we we can show that we've shown that we get up for the big games, we just need to apply it for these the games in and around us as well, and and we'll be all right. But it's not as simple as that, is it? So, no, not at all. I'm just wondering, Mike, as well as, as your name dropping because you was in hospitality yesterday. Did you um, you mention to Tommy Smith that um, I've scored against him um, six aside? I didn't, mate. I uh, I didn't get around to it. We were too busy. Uh, I was too busy fanboying uh, or fangirling. They, they say. <laughs> Sorry. I, I said to him, I said I was I was queuing at the the bar right, and I was waiting, and I saw him in the corner of my eye. I thought Tommy Smith's over there. I wonder if I'll be able to go over and sort of say hello and and thank you and uh, everything else. And then he was next to me at the bar, and there was this bloke in between me and him, and I thought, right, you you know, shift so I can speak to Tommy. Um, and he went and I was like, right, okay. And I says, uh, I says, Tommy, I says, nice to meet you. I says, thank you so much. I says, you were the one banging in all the goals when I was growing up and like really into, you know, really started attending more football matches, etc. And I said, you scored against Arsenal, didn't you? And he had to look it up that day. He says, funnily enough, I had to look it up, you know, and, um, he, yeah, we, we were just chatting about old times, really, and, and what he thought of this season and what he thought would happen for the game and everything else. So, yeah, um, I, I didn't get around to mentioning that you'd uh, you'd <laughs> scored uh, against him in uh, six aside. It doesn't surprise me, though, because you, uh, you are a bagsman for your team, aren't you, Ben? Uh, yeah, well, me and uh, I'll make Chrissy P, yeah, we're the top yeah. goal scorers, but... Yeah, Tommy Smith, one of the nicest guys you'll meet. Even when playing oh, against yeah. him, is really nice. I think um, when I know it's we've gone off tangent. This is what happens when Mike. We, we do when I'm when I'm back on. <laughs> yeah, we just we just go off topic. So yeah, just quickly when I played in the Berkhamsted Six Aside League, um, Tommy Smith was playing in his side, and it was called Barcelona B, and they literally won every single game. They were so good. They would pass you off the pitch, and their movement like it's so rapid still. Like me trying to keep up with Tommy Smith when the ball goes down the line, it just leaves me for dead. But in the same team is Jack Smith as well. Remember, he used to play for Watford as well, but he yeah. went on to play for Millwall and AFC Wimbledon. But he's still got it as well. And I think both of them, they, they own a, um estate so, agents in Ritmansworth, I think I want to lead to believe. But yeah, Tommy Smith, absolute Watford legend, ain't he? So I'm glad you met him yesterday and told him how wonderful he was and he got you into supporting Watford because, yeah, he's a top guy and, I see him now and again, actually, because he's around the Burko area. So I, I do see him now and again. But yeah, top guy. We'll have to get him on as a guest on the podcast one time. And um, you should have dropped that in yesterday, Mike. Yeah, well, i tell you who else was in there. I don't think I mentioned <laughs> I, I mentioned this in um, our group chat that we've got on WhatsApp, that Tommy was there and I sent the picture of me and him. I didn't mention. I walked in, got my lanyard, looked to my right, and there was Scott Duxbury chatting to I don't know who it was. Oh it my God. Someone he knew. Scott Duxbury was there having a pint, just chatting to someone. Uh, and, and then he had some food brought over, of course. And, um, he, you know, he had a couple of beers before the match. And I thought, Kreuter, you wouldn't see this at any other club. Like, I know he gets a lot of stick and that's another subject for another day. But I think that's what I like about Watford. I, I, I was with my mate Dan. I was with my, uh, my my mate, my boss. He's an Arsenal fan. He sorted the hospitality out for us. And I said to him, I says, the CEO of Watford's over there. And I was like, you know, you wouldn't get that at any other club. You wouldn't see uh, Stan Kroenke or whatever his name is in the, you know, in, in the hospitality at Arsenal. And I, that's what I really like about about. Watford being a, a little club, you know, he, he was in there and chatting to whoever, whether it was another member of staff or another fan or something, and just having a beer. And, you know, I, I was thinking about approaching him and, and thanking him. I'll probably get a lot of stick for saying that because there's a lot of fans that are thinking very different thoughts about him and Mr. Pozzo at the moment. But I was thinking of just going over and saying, listen, thank you for what you've done for, for, for our club, you know. Um, the, the things they've done, the, the stands renovations, the uh, fact that we've been in the Premier League for so long, you know, brush aside what's been going on recently. And I think he absolutely would deserve me going over or anyone going over and saying thank you for the hard work he's done. But yeah, it, it, it was surreal, to be honest. And uh, yeah, a good day. And yeah, um, sorry to go off on a tangent. I don't even <laughs> remember what the original question was now. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm just surprised that Scott Duxbury didn't go up to you going, you might doff me, voices of a bitch, listen every week. What have you said uh, about me? Well, yeah, he missed a trick there, didn't he? 
<laughs> Definitely. Well, we've got to that part of the show where we're actually going to talk about what I thought we're probably going to spend the majority of the show talking about now. Um, obviously, around the 60th minute, 65 minutes, Watford made the substitution. Uh, I've never heard a chorus of boos like it before in Victory Drive. You, obviously, you hear it at full time, um, but you don't hear it for substitutions. It's very rare that the crowd will turn and boo like that. I, I, honestly, I've never heard anything like it before. Um, so Imran Loser was substituted um, for KMB. What for fans weren't booing that KMB was coming on. It was definitely the personnel choice. It was definitely... We, we all thought it was Tom Cleverley. Tom Cleverley thought it was Tom Cleverley. The fourth official put up his um, board with his numbers and you could see Tom Cleverley glance over to the side and he actually turned his body as in motion that he was going to start walking off. So he thought he was coming off and then the numbers came up and it was number six in round loser and we was like, whoa, um, Roy Hodgson's gone there. Um, and then the chorus of boos was just... Well, like I said, never heard anything like it before. But the fans were unhappy. Well, let's let's talk about the, the substitution first before I go into the comments of what Roy Hodgson's actually said. Um, James, I come to you because you've not said anything for a while because Mike's been chatting for about <laughs> 20 minutes. So apologies for that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, James, that substitution, I imagine you were booing too. I was, um, as was I think the whole stadium. It was very, very odd. Um, I'm not sure what was going through Roy Hodgson's mind. I know Mike, you know, come up with with a few suggestions earlier. You know, potentially had a knock. He was he was on the yellow card. Um, he was getting stuck into the game loser as well. He's, he's one of really the only Watford players, you know, getting stuck into the Arsenal players and, and giving it a right go. Um, so as, as Mike said, potentially that could be why Roy took him off, but but I highly doubt it. Um, I think under any other manager, I don't think that substitution would have got the same reception. I think if that was Zisco, um, Ranieri, you know, a, a manager that, that the fans had an affinity towards, I don't think we we, we would have reacted the, the way we did. Um, but Roy Hodgson's come in, made no connection with the fans, the club. Um, he doesn't understand what we're about. He has constant digs at the fans and press conferences. Whenever a journalist questions him, he, he bites back and... I do think that played a factor, actually, in, in the reaction he got, which which is his own fault, is his own doing, really. Um, but I think we can all agree it was the wrong substitution to make. I agree with Kayembe coming on. I think I think that was the right thing to do, but but not for a man loser. I think Tom Cleverley, as you say, um, was way off it against Arsenal, has been way off it this season. As Mike said earlier, is, is a favourite under Hodgson. Um, but it was clear, it, you know, if it's clear to 22,000 people, it should be clear to, to the manager of Watford. And unfortunately for, for us, it wasn't. And at that point in the game as well, it was it was a real turning point. We had plenty of time left in the game. I think that was, you know, around the 50, 55th, 60th minute mark. Um, so there's plenty of time to turn it around. And it was just, I just found it was quite a negative substitution in the sense that Imran Luza, you know, some of the passes he comes out with is, is our most creative midfielder. He's a playmaker, if you will. Um, and we're going to take him off and, and have a midfield three of Suzoko, um, Kayembe and Tom Cleverley. It just didn't really make much sense at the time. Um, and, you know, as, as the reaction said, it was, you know, everyone was baffled. And, and to be fair to, to the rookery, when, when Imran Luzer walked past, um, they all gave him a, a standing ovation. So so Luzer knew the boos weren't directed towards him. It was it was obviously more directed to, uh, to Roy Hodgson. Yeah, that was class from the rookery and the Elton John stand when he was walking around. It, it, like you say, it was showing him that Watford fans weren't booing him around loser. We was booing the decision. And fans are in their own right to boo decisions like that. We pay our money to go watch our team. It's our football club. We're the supporters. Um, we're the ones who get affected the most by the decisions on and off the pitch. Uh, we're totally in our own right to boo those decisions. But Roy, uh, Roy Hodgson has rattled the whole fan base after what he said um, yesterday. Um, I put a well two tweets out of comments that he actually said. and I, I messaged Mike straight after and I said, you watch this, this is going to explode. Um, our phones are going to go off. I had to put my phone on mute because we was getting so many notifications coming in of all the displeasure from Watford fans. Um, so I'm going to read out the quotes and then I've actually picked out um, five tweets that some Watford fans have replied to. Uh, and what their, their, their thoughts are on his comments. And then I'll come to you two with it. Um, so Roy Hodgson, his first comment he said was, 
fans have got favourites and unfortunately we have taken over a team where the fans have decided long ago where their favourites are and who their favourites aren't. Um, unfortunately, I have got to carry on trying to pick teams to win games and not pick the team the fans would like to see because I don't trust their judgment, unfortunately. Watford manager Roy Hodgson. Um, so there's a couple of tweets I want to read out. First one comes from a gentleman called Lee Harris. He says, in the past, I've had happy. I've been happy with sackings due to results, um, but always felt bad because they were a nice guy or maybe it just didn't work out slash wrong timing. When Roy is sacked, I'm going to celebrate like no tomorrow. Never has a manager angered me so much, so quickly like Roy Hodgson. I hate him. Um, John White says, all we hear about this clown is how he'll get us organised at the back. Seven goals conceded in our last two home games, which suggests that's a myth. My least favourite Watford manager ever. Garston Horn says, Roy's attitude to us is clear indication that he still never got over the Harry the Hornet and Wilfred Zaha incident. Caroline says, Roy's comment is a little worrying. As he hasn't exactly picked the team who have won many points, also shows his dislike and distrust of Watford supporters. And finally, Kieran Rees says, I trust the Watford fans' judgment more than the judgment of a manager who thinks cleverly should be starting games. Another game, another dig at fans. I can't wait until he gets the sack. A lot of unhappy Watford fans there. I'll come to you first, Mike. How how do you feel after seeing those comments and hearing those comments about Roy Hodgson? Yeah, um, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit because I'm not saying what he said is is right or uh, acceptable or anything like that. But anyone that watches any sort of football or anything like that will know what Roy Hodgson is like, what he's about. He's very cutthroat. He's very... Not like Troy Deeney, because Troy Deeney was different with it. But everyone remembers that famous interview, you know, let's... Come on, let's not take a piss anymore. And he's like, I'm not taking a piss. He goes, well, I think you are. Everyone knows that interview. And, you know, he, he's clearly quite, you know, straightforward. And if his team's just lost, he's not going to stand there and be like, you know, one of these managers that's like, oh, yeah, we're unlucky, but we go again next week. And, yeah, you know, things didn't work. We're not happy, of course, but we go again next week and we, we, we're looking to change it and we're still fighting. Um, and... I've seen a, a few people suggest, you know, there's been times where managers of Watford have turned around, we'd lose, and they'd be like, yeah, not the result we wanted, but there's still positive things to take and there's still games left and, you know, they, we, we can work on it. And people have gone, no, like, that. what were you watching? Like, they, they've sort of ridiculed them for being too you know, cliche and, and not accepting the defeat and then just saying, well, we'll move on to the next one. Whereas Roy is doing exactly what those fans really were suggesting that they'd want. You know, Roy, if he's not happy at something, he will say it. Um, if he's thinking it, he's saying it and he's very cutthroat and straight to the point. If Roy thinks that we're going to get relegated, I would bet any money that he will happily say that to the to the media. If, he, if there's a game coming up, I don't know, you... I can't remember exactly off the top of my head the, the, the games in what order, but if we lose a game and it really is looking tough from there, other managers might be like, yeah, really, really disappointed, of course, but we've still got X amount of games. Roy seems the type of manager to turn around and be like, yeah, you know, it wasn't good enough. We weren't good enough. I don't think we've got enough to stay up. And that's the type of manager he is. He's very old-fashioned. He's, he's you know... He's, he's the old-fashioned type manager and you, you know what you're going to get from him. So, I'm, like I say, you know, I'm not particularly happy with the comments, but I know what Roy Hodgson is like. I, I know, um, you know, he, I just know the manner of how he is and how he's a manager. Uh, it really doesn't surprise me that he's come out with these comments, to be honest. Yeah, no, it's interesting that you say that. And obviously... There's going to be Watford fans that do feel exactly like you, Mike, as well, and, and, and think like that. Um, so it, it's good that you 
you voiced that as well because it's easy just to be negative and jump down his throat and as well because obviously I, I picked out five comments and they've all been very negative Roy Hodgson as well um, but <laughs> I'm going to come to James next and I, I know where this is going to end up I don't think you're going to be singing from the same hymn sheet as um, Mike um, but how how do you feel about those comments from Roy Hodgson and yeah um okay for for me you know the only saving grace for me is he's only going to be here until may um which i think plays into his hands on making the comments actually because he doesn't have to build up that relationship with the fans because he's only going to be here until may he's got a job to do to to try and keep us up he believes you know by by playing tom cleverly for example that's going to help him do that um and and he's that strong in him and as mike said is is an opinionated man He's very old fashioned and, you know, he, he believes in what he preaches pretty much. However, you know, from from actually a fan's perspective and, and from my perspective, I, I don't really like it when, you know, a manager um, of Watford just talks about the fans like that. I, I do find it you know, quite disrespectful. People play a lot of pay a lot of money to to go and watch Premier League football. £40 a match, you know, £500 a season. It's, it's very expensive to, to go and watch Watford at times and especially when, you know, the manager is, is coming out with comments like that. It's, it's quite demoralising, actually. And, you know, it, do, it does make me question, you know, should should I be spending my money on on, on on this? You know, should I be spending my hard-earned money on this? And it's just, it's, I don't, I don't really know what to say because it's, it's his personality. And I'm not going to attack someone's personality, but at this moment in time, I don't think it's necessarily what the fans want to be hearing, but... It's, it's the way Roy works. We, we can't change the man he is. It's, it's how he operates. And unfortunately, we, we have to stick with him until until May, unless unless we make a ridiculous decision and, and sack him um, now, for example. So it's frustrating for me. But then, you know, I'm not going to get angry about it. It's frustrating. We've got him until May. Just let him get on with it. And, you know, we'll, we'll say bye to Roy in, in a couple of months. It's, it's not too much of a big issue for me. I just I just wish that, you know, he, he would try and at least foster some sort of, you know, just some sort of, you know, bond between himself and the supporters. That that would be nice. Um, but you know, see, seeing how he's how he's worked in, in the past couple of weeks, I, I can't really see that happening. Well, I, I just don't like the whole situation where he hasn't came in and attempted to make a bond with the Watford um, supporters. And I, I do feel like he's got a bit of an agenda against Watford fans. And I I, I do. I'm not being silly when I say it, but I, I do think the whole Wilfred Zaha, Crystal Palace relationship with Watford fans, he was obviously the manager of Crystal Palace at the time and the way Watford fans reacted to that, he didn't like it. And I, I do think he, he kind of holds that against Watford fans a little bit. And yes, he's only here till the end of the season, but Mike, don't you think that if if he was to build a relationship with the fans, that would actually help the team? Like surely him not building a relationship with fans is just going to cause negativity towards Roy Hodgson, which is going to end up being negativity towards the team. Yeah, and you know, absolutely spot on to point that out. You know, he's making a rod for his own back with some of these comments and it's not helping his cause as the likability factor. But some managers, they, they don't, you know, they don't care. Look at Walter Mazzari. He was... You know, I know he didn't speak the language, so it's very different. But you know, he um, he he didn't have a great rapport with the with the fans, and we stayed up that season. And some managers will just be that cut from the same cloth and old fashioned. Now, I think to be honest, I don't care if the fans don't like me as long as the players reduce uh, produce the results. But you could say psychologically, it would all link if. If the fans are behind the management and then the management um, reflect uh, onto the players, you know, it, it, it all clicks. You know, we've been very lucky. I think the only reason we're sort of comparing this is because we've been very lucky to to have a ma- two managers in recent years who have had such good relationships with the fans in the form of Javi Garcia and Cisco Munoth. You know, they're, they're, I've never known anything like it in, in, in my lifetime as a Watford fan to have two likeable characters and such good managers at the time that they were managing us uh, and be such likeable guys to then go to Roy Hodgson who's literally been brought into firefight knows he'll be off in May so to him he might think you know what 
if the fans like me, happy days. If they don't, they don't. I'm just here to get the results. So, yeah, there's both. I don't mean to sit on the fence, but there are both ways to look at it. And I think both ways need to be discussed, which is what we're doing and and, and give sort of a, a balanced view on it. I think just to cut in quickly before we move on, I think we've we've essentially gone from one extreme to the other. We had, you know, Zisco Munoz, as Mike said, he was, you know, really jovial, really happy. Ranieri, in a sense, was, you know, a really, really happy guy as well, as as we've seen at the, at the clubs he's managed. Leicester, you know, Watford, he, he seemed to come across as, as a very nice guy in his press conferences. And, and we've gone from that to suddenly completely the opposite end of, of the spectrum with, with Roy Hodgson. So, I think I think you know there's there's two extremes there, and we've had them within the space of, of about five months. So I, I don't think that really helps either. Yeah, and like, like we we've all said, we all know he's not going to be here long term. He will be gone at the end of the season. That's when his contract's up, and he, he's literally just here to do the job of trying to keep Watford in the Premier League. And we all hope he does succeed and does the job that he's been brought in to do. Um, but me and James were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Mike's would be interesting to get your opinion on it. And um, we was talking about who we would potentially like to be our next Watford manager. Um, James wanted uh, Frank Lampard, but he was snapped up by Everton. Um, and I, I, I wanted to go down the route of like a young progressive manager, like a Ryan Lowe or a um, Russell Martin. Um, but it'd be interesting to see who you'd maybe want to go after. If you if you was in charge of Watford, who would you look to appoint as our next head coach or manager? Yeah, well, I was having this discussion today at work with my uh, with my boss and um, Frank Lampard. Very interesting choice there, James. Um, but Ryan Lowe, Ben, I, I think he's a great shout. You know, Preston have done really well to snap him up. It's quite evident to see. You know, the work he did at Bury when they were going through what they were going through to get them promoted to League One, you know, that's some achievement. He would definitely be on the list. Um, if I'm being realistic about it, though, will he join after just joining Preston? Um, possibly not, but, you know, you wouldn't totally rule it out not, not to be that guy, but we are, you know, you, you would think that he would fancy his chances more at Watford of getting promoted than he would at Preston, but hey-ho. Um, there, there's two names, re- well, no, there's three names, really, um, that, that I think we should go for or I would be happy to see. Uh, firstly, and again, it might just contradict what I was just on about with Ryan Lowe leaving to come and join us, but if you forget that, Chris Wilder, I think we should have gone for him before we brought in Ranieri, personally. Because, uh, you know, yes, he didn't enjoy the best of times at Sheffield United um, in the season that they went down. But before that, he did absolutely superbly. They were in the question for Europe and, you know, they were really, really taking teams to the sword. And it's evident to see what he's working on at the moment at Middlesbrough. Um, we The podcast account follows uh, Middlesbrough podcast too. Uh, they were our first ever opposition. Yeah, the Brewer breakdown. Yeah, uh, they were our first ever uh, ever opposition podcast fans on here, um, and we we still follow them and so follow us. And uh, I think it's Dana uh, or Dana, the 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 woman yeah. who's on that podcast. She does a lot of writing <laughs> on, on stuff and a lot of uh, analytical stuff. And you know, it, it's quite clear that there is quite a progressive change in how they were playing on the wall up to. To Wilder now, that might sound obvious, but um, you know, it's quite clear to see that he's trying to implement his plans as soon as possible. So, Chris Wilder would be one for me. Um, another one would be uh, I forgot one of them already. I was gonna wait to say this one till last, but um, I, yeah, uh, no, sorry, um, Wayne Rooney. I would, I would be more than happy to give him a, a point. At it. Look at what he's done with Derby County. Um, he's in a win-win situation at the moment. If he keeps them up, brilliant achievement. If they go down, no one expected him to, to keep them up. You know, if it weren't for the points deduction, they would be, what, mid-table or something? I don't know. Uh, let's be honest, that squad that they've got shouldn't really be finishing mid-table. It, it's basically a bunch of youngsters um, and the, the couple of real journeymen thrown in. So, you know, he's doing an incredible job with circumstances, you know, at Derby County. So if he was to end up at Watford, I would not bat an eyelid. I think it would be a great project for him. Uh, this is another thing as well, uh, not to go off on a tangent. The Pozzos need to sort of accept now that 
if we do go down, we need to build a project as opposed to just giving managers X amount of time and then they're out the door. If a manager goes through a rough patch, let him ride it out. It happens all the time. You know, Derby County, um, uh, uh, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. You know, I think they've had a couple of bad results recently, but then, you know, they've, they've also had some really good results as well. And Wayne Rooney's doing a really good job. So, you know, the Potsos, if they're happy to say, right, we're going to give the man the job, we're going to let him run at this project and we're going to give him X amount of years and we're going to give him the time to build a team, uh, someone that can get us up to the Prem and not only get us up to the Prem, but keep us there and keep us competitive up there. That would be the main thing. So I wouldn't bat an eyelid if Wayne Rooney was put there. And another man as well, um, I, I think this was only sort of come to mind because my boss was talking about him. Uh, I can't see him leaving this post, but Dean Smith, you know, there's a possibility that, you know, Norwich, let's let's be fair, I know they spanked us at Vickery's Road, but I fully expect them to finish bottom. Um, I, 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 they, they won't stay up for me. Um, and, you know, maybe the, the appointment of Dean Smith had one eye on the championship. But that's not to say that they could get tunked every game from now to the end of the season, or they could quite easily not win from now to the end of the season. And then what the players might start thinking, well, actually, we're losing a bit of faith in Dean Smith and he goes into next season with the players on his back and then the players are on his back and he gets sacked early doors or they think, well, actually, I know we were sort of hoping that, well, I know we were looking at the championship at the, the time of the appointment of Dean Smith, but he's sort of lost the dressing room a little bit because, you know, he's not been winning games and, you know, it could quite easily turn there. And I think Dean Smith would be perfect, A, to get us up, and B, if we were to go up, sort of stabilise us up in the Premier League again. Because what we cannot do is go down and then just come back up and think, right, OK, we're back up now. Let's let's wing it a little bit. A bit like we have done this season. So they would be my three managers. And I might get laughed off the internet for these and people might tweet me and say, what on earth were you drinking that night? But Wayne Rooney, Chris Wilder, or Dean Smith, I will be quite happy to see any three of those in the dugout at Vicarage Road next season. But as long as we give them time and let them run at a project. All English I managers, think. funnily enough, actually, as well, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's vital. I really do. Yeah, I so think, it's I not think... only getting up, it's staying up and trying to build on it as well. Yeah, I think all Watford fans want the same, really. We just want stability, don't we? We want a manager to come in and we want him to be given time. We want a project manager now. We, we don't want these overseas free agent managers coming in. Um, it has worked for Watford in the past, but if you're totally honest, I think Watford fans are getting bored of it now. Um, I think we want a bit of excitement back and we want we want someone we can relate to. Um, I know I know we related to Cisco, Cisco, uh, Cisco Munas. Just quickly, guys. We go down. Would you take Cisco Munoz back? Um, uh, in a hypothetical universe, uh, I, prob- <laughs> I probably would, but I, I don't. Re- I don't really want to commit to anything because I, I know I'd probably get slaughtered for it. But I, you know, if if I'm being sensible, no, no, we shouldn't. But I think Cisco Munoz is is a lovely bloke, um, and I'd happily have him round my house for dinner any day of the week. In so in that regard, yes, I'd love him back, but. It's always difficult when you bring someone back. We saw what happened with uh, with Sanchez Flores when he came back. It it really went to pot very quickly, um, and I would be worried for Zisco if, if he did come back. But you know, I, in, in a theoretical you know sits, you know scenario, I, I'd love him back at Victory Joe. Of course, I would. Yeah, yeah. I should just say I didn't quite mean to be as cutthroat then because Cisco actually likes some of our social media posts, and at the danger of him maybe watching now or rewatching it. I didn't mean to be like, no, no way, no, no, no. I just think, as James rightly pointed out, we've gone down the route before of bringing back a manager and it's just not worked. So, Cisco, if you're watching, um, I I (laughs) apologise. I'll just say quickly as well that um, I personally wouldn't take Cisco back for the next season, but if there was a Watford manager to come back, I would snap him up straight away. Javi Gracia, I I would have him all day long. Uh, Bring him back. Give him the project. 
let him rebuild Watford. He's got the connection with the Watford fans. Uh, Watford fans didn't want him to be sat in the first place where with Cisco Munoz in the Premier League was kind of what fans were getting a bit on Cisco's back going, I think we need to make a decision here. I, I do think Watford fans have regretted that since Cisco has left this season because he has won the majority of our points this season. Um, but yeah, if, if a Watford manager was to come back, for me personally, it would be Javi Gracia. Uh, love him. Um, and I just want to sing the Sangria song if I'm totally honest. Um, but yeah, um, that that was Watford's... I know we've gone off tangent a little bit, but Watford did go out 3-2 to defeat to Arsenal yesterday. Um, just quickly, we've not done it for a while. Um, I want to feature very briefly on our loan loanies out on loan. Um, I, I put something up today, which, which made me laugh and I'll read it out. Um, about Dan Phillips, who's out on loan at Gillingham. Um, Gillingham boss Neil Harris has said that he'll be handing Watford loanee midfielder Dan Phillips maximum fine after a third red card of the season in the Jill's 3-0 defeat to Bolton Wanderers. I think he picked up two really quick, silly yellow cards. And it's happened quite recently. I think he got sent off a few weeks back as well. And obviously, Neil Harris, he's only been in charge for maybe about six weeks or so. And he's seen himself, Dan Phillips, getting sent off twice. We, we do know Dan Phillips has got this in him. Whenever he features for Watford, he gets stuck in, doesn't he? And I do like that about him. Um, Neil Harris has actually gone on to say that he does find him an exceptional talent, but he needs to learn. That's why he's looking to give him a maximum fine, um, because he can't keep on doing this. I think he's 20 years old, and, and if he's going to fine him heavily, he might think about, oh, actually, this is affecting performances on the pitch. This is now affecting me personally, money-wise. Maybe I need to change my game a little bit. But he is playing week in, week out when he's not suspended. And it's great experience for him to go out on loan. Um, James, when you saw that, what, what, what was your first thought when you saw um, about Neil Harris saying about Dan Phillips? Well, to, to be honest, you know, watching him, you know, several times uh, for Watford in the Championship and, you know, just, just watching him this season, I think that, it's to be expected. He is that type of player. I think, you know, we had that with like Carlos Sanchez as well in the championship, you know, very physical players. They love to get stuck in. Um, I've not really got a lot to say on it, to be honest. You know, he's young, he's, he's inexperienced, he's learning the game. Um, it's probably right that, that he does find him because, you know, you can't have, you know, it, it, let's say he was in the Premier League with Watford and he got sent off three times. I think that would be disastrous because, you know, that's three games where you're potentially playing with 10 men for a, for a period of time and, and that can ultimately, you know, cost you points. So he does obviously have to learn his lesson. Um, I think he's actually scored a couple of goals for them this season as well. So he seems to be doing well. The, the manager seems to seems to rate him. Um, but yeah, I, I did find it quite funny when when I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. It, what it is, it's great experience from a lad. Like, yes, he's made these silly mistakes, but he, he's made these mistakes out on loan. So he's only going to learn from it. And it's going to make him a stronger person. And if we are to drop down into a championship next season, he could be a squad player. Um, so it, it's good experience he's picking up at Gillingham. Um, Mike, I'll come to you about the next player out on loan. Joseph Hungbo scored his third goal in three games for Ross County at the weekend as they beat St Mirren 1-0 and he scored from a penalty spot. I think he scored two penalties in back-to-back games now for Ross County. Um, they've picked up nine points in their last three games. They've climbed to sixth place in the SPL. A few months back, they was actually in the bottom two and they were flirting with relegation. So Malcolm Mackay has really turned it around at Ross County. Um, he's made 25 appearances, scoring five goals, assisting four times for the Stags. Um, he, he's someone you would want to be in around that championship team next season, Mike, and how well is he actually doing at Ross County? Yeah, well, the stats you just read out there, six goals in 25 games, and we, we saw glimpses of him in the championship in 1920, uh, no, sorry, last season, uh, and we were really excited and we were all like, yeah, you know, real good raw talent, but get him a loan spell, get him out playing regular first-team football at a decent enough standard and then bring him back and see if we can sort of integrate him. And if we do go down, yes, it'll be unfortunate, but it'll be a real chance for all these boys out on loan at the moment to come back and make a real solid case to, to start in the, the team because I'd be looking at maybe starting Hungbo depending on who, who leaves the club. Uh, another one who I'm sure you're about to mention is Matty Pollock as well, um, depending on who we might lose defensively. 
could be another one. He's been superb at Cheltenham. Um, so, yeah, really, really happy for Hungbo because those five appearances he made for Watford um, last season, I was really impressed. And it, it, it was what he needed, a, a loan spell where there was regular game time um, for him and under the guidance of an old Watford manager. So, yeah, delighted for the lad and um, looks like he could end up on double figures this season. Like you say, um, Mike, another guy who you've just mentioned, Matty Pollock, who's out on loan at League One side, Cheltenham Town. He actually scored um, his first goal of the season for Cheltenham in the league as they um, saw off Doncaster Rovers 4-0. Pollock put a gloss on the result with a diving header, um, earning a spot in the EFL League One team of the week. Um, So he's doing very well at Cheltenham as well. And James... Like I said, we've just listed off two players who we probably would want in and around the team if we do get relegated next season. <coughs> Be the same case for Matty Pollock, wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of, of, of Ben Wilmot actually, you know, coming up from, from a lower league, Watford buying him for, you know, a relatively modest fee. Go, goes out on loan, does, does really well. And, you know, hopefully he'll, he'll come back to Watford. And, you know, next season, if we are in a championship, I, I expect him to, to make some appearances and hopefully he can build on that. Because um, I'm not expecting him to come back and be a first teamer necessarily. I think that would be, you know, too much to ask of him. Um, but if he can make, let's say, you know, ten appearances next season, if we are in a championship, I think I think that would be, you know, a really good, a, a good step for him in in his career. And you know, it's a great header actually. I saw someone post it on Instagram. Um, bullet header, if you will. You know, really powerful, really strong. Got got in front of the defender. Um, and yeah, you know, exactly what you want to see. Really, a lot of goals from Watford loanees this week actually. So. I think that is hopefully that's a good omen going into going into the next few weeks and going into the future um, of, of Watford moving forward. Yeah, another loney who's actually scored, but is not going to be a part of our team next season. Is Andre Gray? I think he scored um, QPR away at Cardiff as well. Um, but yeah, his contract's up at the end of the season, so he, he won't be in and involved in and involved with Watford next season. But I know we've been quite critical of Watford in the last few podcasts and that. Um, but one thing I do think they have got right this season, it is sending these youngsters out on loan to get valuable experience. We've not seen it lately in previous seasons, but they've actually sent them out to football league clubs. I know we, we saw um, um, the, the young Turkish guy come back from his loan spell at um, Doncaster, but he, he was there for the first um, portion of the season and picked up good experience. And now we're seeing it with um, Matty, Matty Pollock, Dan Phillips and Joseph Hungbo. They're all getting valuable experience, where in previous years they would have just been picking up under three um, minutes for, for Watford's um, second string team. And it's, it's good to see them getting minutes under the belt. And next season they can play a, a good part in Watford season if we do get relegated um, but yeah we're going to wrap it up there and um, thank you for everyone who's watched on YouTube thank you for everyone who's listening on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all the other platforms um, don't forget to give us a rating if you're watching on YouTube don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe um, but yeah thank you very much for everyone who's watched and listened and um, we'll be back next week um, to talk about Watford's upcoming game uh, no, Watford's result at Wolves Thursday night, I believe. If not, we will talk to you Monday night about the result on against Southampton. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much, guys. And we'll be back next week. Um, stay safe and come on, you odds. Podcast Network.